Hello and welcome to Toho Yaro, a Japanese film club podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Alex Kazanis, and with me as always are my two great co-hosts, Joey Weiser. Hey Alex, looking forward to talking about this with you. And Scott Dryman. Hi everybody, I am stoked. Yeah, me too. And it will be great talking about this movie. And this movie, by the way, is 2009's Fish Story. favorite contemporary Japanese film. Mm. Uh, it's super good. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, Agreed. Yeah. Uh, the end. <laughs> the end. See you next month, everybody. <laughs> yep. That's the end of this episode. So this movie was recommended to me by my great friend Greg Werner, um, who some of you might know uh, from the One Piece podcast. Uh he told me, uh, I'm not going to tell you anything about this movie. You just need to watch it. And uh, that's what I always tell people about this movie. So uh, if you are listening to this podcast right now and you haven't watched Fish Story, uh, search the internet, uh, find it, watch it, and then report back to us. Um, yeah, I'd say unlike a lot of the movies we've covered, this is actually one that can be spoiled more so than than a lot of other movies. Yeah, and I think it's because of its structure. It's structured very interestingly. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying like... it. It's not structured in a kind of haphazard fashion like um, like Tampopo, but it still mm -hmm. is very... It's a very weird movie chronologically, um, but it makes <laughs> it makes sense by the end of it in, in like perfect sense. It's amazing. <laughs> now, do you all have uh, any prior experience to this movie? Uh, similarly, I sort of have been recommended it by Greg as well. Um, at the time, I probably at the, around the same time that he was recommending it to you, I was just a listener uh, to the One Piece podcast. I had not yet uh, become a re reoccurring guest. But um, I think on the show or maybe, gosh, in their short-lived forums or somewhere, Greg had been just very enthusiastically recommending this movie. And... Um, and yes, being very mysterious about it, but definitely passionate. And so I was like, well, I got to track this down. <laughs> so I did. And yeah, I totally loved it. And I've seen it a few times now. Um, and uh, it's definitely the kind of film that like benefits rewatching. Uh, this is my first time seeing the movie. And I went in blind as advised. The only things I knew about it were the tagline off the front of the DVD case of uh, Can a Song Save the World? And uh, Joey's mention uh, likening it in aspects to 20th century boys, which really piqued my interest. So uh, having having no prior history with the movie, I was I was pretty astonished at how much I enjoyed it. All right. Yeah. Um, 
So uh, a little bit about this movie before we before we get down to it. Uh, Fish Story is a uh, was released in March twentieth, two thousand nine, in Japan. Um, the director is a uh, Yoshihiro Nakamura, and uh, he's got a pretty pretty robust library of of movies under his belt. None of which I've seen aside from Fish Story, but uh, got movie uh, movies called uh, The Magnificent Nine, uh, Golden Slumber, the the Foreign Duck, the Native Duck, and God in a Coin Locker. <laughs> a boy and his yeah. Son. I had I sort of took a I skimmed his filmography and I wasn't really familiar with any of the movies either, but I'm definitely curious about them. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and this movie was uh, written. Uh, by by two writers, uh, Kotaro Isaka, who wrote the uh, novel or um, short story, I think at this point, I think that's the uh, the short story. Our our friend Stephen, um, also on the One Piece podcast, uh, has the short story fish story, um, and I think it's part of a compilation. So uh, that's that's that. Um. <laughs> uh, I should note that uh, Yoshiro Nakamura's films, The Foreign Duck, Native Duck, and God in a Coin Locker, and Golden Slumber, I think, are also based off his writing. Oh, oh far out. Interesting. Yeah, I'm looking through uh, through his uh, through his credits, and and that is absolutely correct. Um, so that's that's super interesting. Uh, screenplay was written by uh, a fellow named uh, uh, Tamio Hayashi, and uh, once again, a uh, frequent collaborator with uh, with Nakamura, so uh, <laughs> including a movie called Soft Boys, which is actually not, not a Nakamura movie, but I just wanted to say Soft Boys. <laughs> uh, and uh, this movie has a cast of characters. Um, oh yeah, and it's it's really hard to pinpoint the the main character because everybody in this movie is is equally important. But to name a few, Atsushi Ito plays uh, Shigeki, and he has been in a lot of stuff. Sea Monkey, Blood and Bones, uh, Boys Choir, Flowers in the Shadow. None of these are movies that I've seen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the other main guy in the, in the band in the movie, uh, Goro, is played by a man named uh, Kengo Kora. He's got a, uh, a, a, wide, a wide array of, of movies under his belt and TV movies as well. Uh, he was... He was uh, recipient of the uh, Yujiro Ishihara New Artist Award at the Nikon Sports Film Awards in 2010. So he's got that under his belt. Uh, he's got some, he's done some uh, J-dramas, it seems. Oh, well, he was in Shin Godzilla, which came out this year, this last year. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. The Secretary of Deputy Chief Cabinet Secretary, which is a... That's another one that has a huge cast, so... <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah. I wanted to talk about uh, Gaku Hamada, who's the main character in the 80s, uh, the sort of like wimpy guy. Yes, I don't remember Masashi is his name. They, they don't actually say his name in the movie, but uh, okay. it's there in the credits. Um, I had seen him at, there's a pretty popular TV show from a couple of years ago called uh, Aoi Hono or Blue Blazes, which is um, based off of the autobiography of a cartoonist who was sort of on the outskirts of the group that uh, became Gainax, and he played uh, Toshio Okada, who's the producer and co-founder of Gainax, who is the sort of, um, uh, if you've seen the show, sort of eccentric man-child with the Have a Gangsta Day t-shirt. Uh, so, yeah, he's really good, and he's very funny, and a um, um, friend of our show, William, has mentioned that he is a fan of his acting as well. So 
Yeah, looking through his credits, he's also been in uh, a whole bunch of Nakamura pictures, like Golden Slumber and Foreign Duck et al. Um, so I think he's a frequent collaborator with the director as well. Uh, cool. Mikako Tabe, uh, who in the movie plays Masami, the... Uh... We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to who she is in the, later on. She got a Rookie of the Year award in 2010, uh, the Elon Dore Award, and uh, Best Newcomer... Uh, the 48th Blue Ribbon Awards in 2006 uh, for mm-hmm. Way of the Blue Sky or Way of Blue Sky um, and it sucks because I, I'm not familiar with any of these movies because they're so contemporary yeah um, you, there, the other couple that I sort of recognize were uh, Koichi Ueda and Reiko Kusamura who are the old couple on the boat mm-hmm. uh, in her storyline and they are both in Shall We Dance yeah, so um, she was the old la- the old lady. She was the 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 teacher, right? The instructor. Yeah, yeah. I recognized her. She just has yeah, like, yeah. purple hair in this movie. <laughs> and the guy, yeah, I know those purple streaks are great. And the guy, I'm not sure. Uh, I couldn't quite pinpoint who exactly he was, but I think he might be the old kind of lecherous guy that um, that the younger teacher is is teaching, who's kind of the reflection of <laughs> how creepy the main character is being. Um, but I'm not sh- I'm not sure on that. But uh, they both have credits for Shall We Dance. Gotcha, gotcha. So there's another uh, another actor I wanted to to remark upon is Kenjiro Ishimaru, who plays the uh, plays the wheelchair guy. Um, mm. uh, I, well, that's what I called him in my notes. Uh, but his character's <laughs> name is Taniguchi, um, the former uh, former cult leader slash slash wheelchair guy. Uh, He's been in a couple Common Rider movies. Yeah, he's been in a crap ton of Common Rider uh, in the late 2010s. Yeah, I think he specifically is in one of the series that a lot of those Common Rider movies are all big crossovers. So mm-hmm. uh, I think he's like a, a, a supporting cast or possibly villain. I'm not sure of, of like Den-O. I don't know. One of the one of the Common Rider movies that's in all of those. Yeah, Denno. Um and he's he's in the upcoming Full Metal Alchemist live action movie as Father Cornello. Mm. So if you're familiar with that particular series, uh, a very important character, uh, Okazaki, um, the uh, the manager, uh, and also the store clerk. Uh, who I think he's playing both uh, Okazaki and his son. If I'm not, if I read that mm. right. Or if I'm that's interesting. Or if I noted that right, um, I can't. I couldn't quite tell. <laughs> um, but now Mori, uh, he's he's been in uh, he's been a lot. Uh, he was a voice in up from up on Poppy Hill. If you're familiar with uh, that Studio Ghibli picture, um, but he's in uh, Ichi the Killer. Uh, he plays he plays Ichi, mm. uh, which is uh, something to note. And he doesn't <laughs> looks completely different in this movie. Uh, he's got the longer hair and the. And a little bit of facial hair, but he's also in Golden Slumber, uh, another Nakamura movie. God, he's he's in a lot. I'd look him up if I were you. Yeah, we got to check down these other Nakamura movies. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if, definitely. This one's if if they're as good as this one. Those are about the the characters I wanted to cover, I guess, because there's like I said, there's so many. Uh, and I guess we can just get right down into it, right? All right. So the movie opens up with a clip from Go Ranger, uh, which is a Sentai series created by Shoto Ishimomori, uh, and it was the first uh, Super Sentai mm-hmm. series of Toku Satsu programming. Uh, so that's that's a big uh, 
that's kind of a big deal. So, uh, and it seems out of left field, but we'll get there. Um, so we open up on uh, a desolate area of Japan, and a guy in a wheelchair is just kind of strolling along in his wheelchair, just kind of fucking about. And he comes across uh, Coconuts, which is a record store. And uh, we find out that the streets are desolate because there's a comet on its way. It's a, uh, this is 2012, by the way, and there's five hours left until the comet hits. Uh, the guy in the wheelchair, uh, he's hopeless. He's completely hopeless, saying, oh, it's definitely, definitely going to come down. We're all going to die. And the store clerk, uh, the store clerk who shows uh, another another patron of the store a record by a uh, Gekirin called Fish Story, um, he says that uh, he is certain that ch- champions of justice will save them, uh, like Go Rangers or, or Gundam. Mm-hmm. And they talk about that for a bit, and they start to listen to this this song, uh, which is a ridiculous. Ridiculous song about uh, if my if my uh, if my solitude was a fish, uh, dot 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 dot, and yeah. <laughs> a, a, a common a common thing that people say as soon as they hear the song is how can solitude be a fish? Doesn't make, <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. This song. Uh, so they mention that in 1975, one year before the Sex Pistols, uh, there's this punk band in Japan that took the world by well, took the punk scene by storm basically. Uh, so we. We flash to 1982. Now, now, something I should remark on is that there's a lot of time jumping, and I'm going to time jump uh, as it is in the movie. Like, I'm going to remark on the time jump. Okay. I think it's an interesting choice that when they do these time jumps that they don't uh, – when the first time they do them, they don't note when the era is or that they have changed times until at the end of that first scene. Yes. Or, yeah, or when like, it jumps to the 80s, the first thing you notice is the wardrobe change mm-hmm. and <laughs> some stuff like that. Yeah. So here we are in 1982. Uh, there's uh, three kids in a car, and they're just kind of driving along. Uh, the driver is a timid kid, Masahashi, or Masashi. And um, the other two kids are in the back just going through their cassette tapes and talking about like, oh, well, uh, this is uh, these are weird supernatural tapes, you know. They, you know, basically talking about superstitions. If you play this tape, it's sort of like a Bloody Mary type situation. If you say Bloody Mary three times in the mirror, Bloody Mary will come and take your soul. Or whatever. Yeah, I thought the idea of a supernatural tape collector was really charming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He was such a nerd about it. I thought it was really funny. Yeah. Um, but then they talk about this uh, this paranormal cassette, this uh, this fish story song. And that there's a there's a part right after the uh, the solo begins, where it's silent for uh, for about a minute, and uh, you know they say that there's a scream, you know you'll hear a girl screaming if you have a sixth sense, uh, you'll be you'll be able to hear a uh, a girl scream, and uh, I I call that uh, the the kid is driving uh, Masashi I called him Japanese Michael Sarah, <laughs> <laughs> totally totally Michael Sarah. Uh, so the three kids, they, uh, they listen to the song, they go through the, this tunnel and they're like, oh, well, I didn't hear anything. I'm like, oh, you must not have a sixth sense. So they meet, uh, they go to a bar and meet some girls. Uh, I, I should note that one of the kids is the paranormal tape collector. The other kid is more of a punk. Like he's kind of a, kind of a dick. And, uh, the other one is Masashi, timid Michael Sarah. Uh, so there's this girl that they meet, uh, meet with Haruko. 
uh, who apparently has this sixth sense, according to her friends. And uh, one of the uh, one of the girls, by the way, reminds me of Mac from from House, in in, <laughs> in her mannerisms yeah. and her uh, her parents. Uh, so Haruko predicts that she would meet a man tonight uh, who will save the world one day. And uh, she, uh, at one point, chastises Masashi for, for being such a dud. Like, why are you so timid? Like, you're going to miss your chance one day. And uh, you're going to, and he predicts that, you know, you're going to meet a girl and she's going to change your life. And uh, you might miss this chance if you fuck up, which could be interpreted many ways. It could be, you know, a subtle way of flirting, but who knows at this point. Uh, either way, he offers her a ride. Um, so it's Masashi, Haruko, and, uh, this other kid, this, uh, this punk kid. And he makes them stop at a love hotel and says, oh, well, the bar is right around the corner. And he just tells him, dude, just leave. I'm, I'm taking care of this. And, uh, Masashi tries to stand up for himself. Eto, eto, eto. And he just keeps fucking up and just leaves, he just drives away angrily and he hits the uh, the dash and fish story goes back into the cassette player and he's driving as this song is playing and he stops yeah, pretty uh, heartbreaking scene kind of like really wanting this to be his moment to like stand up to the thug but yeah he like he tries even before that like oh you shouldn't smoke in my car please mm-hmm. don't smoke in my car just very yeah very uh yeah, very, very timid, very weak. Uh, so he's angry at himself for fucking up. He listens to this fucking awesome song, this just sweet punk song. And right before he stop, or right before he goes to the tunnel, he stops. Uh, and that's when the silent part of the song kicks in, and he hears a woman scream. Uh, which is which is odd because, oh, uh, only people with sixth sense are supposed to hear this. So he uh, so he follows the scream and runs into an attempted rape. Uh, so. Fueled by this punk song, as soon as as soon as the silent part uh, dissipates, uh, he he takes a stick and just runs right right up to the guy, and to redeem himself. Back to 2012, <laughs> uh, the uh, the wheelchair guy, um, God, what's his name? I'll just I I hate to refer to him as wheelchair, wheelchair wheelchair guy because at one point I just call him cancer guy. Um, Tanishi. <laughs> You can call him culty guy. Culty guy, yeah. He's got so many guys. Taniguchi is his name. Taniguchi. Okay. All right. Because they don't even say his name either. They don't. They don't refer to a lot of people by name in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks. To, oh, I had to refer to a wiki. Um. So he says, "There's nothing I haven't done. You know, I've had threesomes. I've you know sailed around the world." Uh, this guy is definitely uh the Japanese version of the uh most interesting man in the world. The world from the Dos Equis commercial. <laughs> Uh, except he's a huge dick because he said, oh, I've been doing this all on borrowed money and, you know, this comet's going to take care of everything. I'm, you know, I've had a great life. You know, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm riddled with cancer, but it's okay because, you know, I, I've lived life on everybody's money and I'm just going to die with everyone else. Get away with it. Yeah. He's, he's, he's the villain, I guess. Uh, so we, uh, we flash back to 1999. Uh, Nostradamus apparently says this is the year that the great king of terror will come. Uh, the two friends who were not Masashi, the, the paranormal kid, uh, paranormal tapes kid and punk kid, uh, this is 
you know, sometime after uh, the events in 19, uh, 1982, obviously. Or, uh, well, yeah, because it's 1999. Of course, it's sometime after. Uh, the two friends, they go to the beach to wait for the end of the world with a, uh, with a cult. They just decided to up and join this cult. And the cult leader is Taniguchi. Uh, they, uh, they have a big kerfuffle because where's the end of the world? It's not happening. Uh, they get into a huge fight. Um, that guy gets the shit beat out of him. And then there's two other sub-cult leaders uh, who expose him as a fake as well. And then we're, uh, we're taken to a ferry boat, which we then find out is uh, during 2009. The ferry boat is going from Tokyo to Hokkaido. Uh, there's a girl who failed to get off the boat. She's very, very upset. Uh, and she's given a fruit tart by, uh, by the cook. And <laughs> she's got an excellent crying face. Oh my God. Totally. <laughs> yeah. It's real comical. Yeah. I think it's, is it, it's supposed to be comical, right? I mean, yeah. 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 I mean, you're supposed because to feel sympathy for her, but <clears throat> it's pretty ridiculous. It's a funny moment. But yeah. She, uh, she, the reason that she didn't get off the boat is because she slept through the stop, which like they have loud announcements and everything. So, it's supposed to be real goofy that that she managed to sleep through it and then tries to like jump off the boat and swim back to shore, but people won't let her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Um so she's given a fruit tart, which is um not her fruit tart. Uh <laughs> like, well, whoops, this is not yours, it's theirs, it's this old couple. Um by the way, the old couple that we mentioned earlier, they just eat they just keep eating dessert. That's that's all they want. <laughs> they get this fruit tart and then they order a pie later, it's pretty great. Uh, so, uh, he feels sorry for her. He brings her another fruit tart to cook and he tells her that, uh, you know, well, if you want, I will tell you my absurd life story. I've always wanted to be a champion of justice. And I drew a little picture of common writer. And I guess, uh, <laughs> uh, um, and before he can really, uh, really divulge more of this, of this past, uh, the, uh, the boat is hijacked by two cult, by the cult leaders. Um, and a whole bunch of other people on the boat that they've sprinkled throughout the boat, uh, including a, um, a man who comes up to, uh, to Haru, uh, not Haruko, uh, Masami is the girl's name, comes up to Masami earlier and tries to talk to her about, you know, oh, well, you must, you know, you must be a great student if you're, you know, going to Hokkaido or whatever. Um, I don't remember exactly what he said. She has a specific school uniform that's like a well-regarded school there it is. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so this guy, uh, the cook, uh, his name is Sagawa. Um, uh, he sees the hijacking happen and he goes into full on Sanji mode and kicks the shit out of like a good <laughs> chunk of them. Uh, yeah, he's even a chef. Yep. And he's even yeah. a chef. Yeah. Uh, so he eventually gets subdued. Uh, and while he's tied up all bloodied and stuff, then he decides to tell his flashback, uh, the origins of justice. Um, you see him as a small child training for, uh, training for, you know, just to be a great, a great champion of justice one day. There's even like a karate kid homage where he does the wax on wax off bit, mm-hmm. which I think is super fun. Yeah. He does like the waterfall training where he just sits under a waterfall. I, I love it. Very important. <laughs> it, it's very important. Yes. It, it turns you into a champion. Um, he says, yeah, ever since I was a kid, my father wanted to, me to become a champion of justice. I didn't have any friends. I didn't really do anything else except for that. So that's all I know. Uh, and, uh, he gets into a fight with bullies, um, and he's, you know, he attributes, uh, this training, of course, to his father. Uh, these, he gets in trouble for fighting the bullies, but it still doesn't falter him. 
uh, and he eventually does this cool thing with his body where he unhinges all of his bones and gets out of his ropes. Uh, yeah. By cool, I mean gross. It, the, the sound foley on yeah. this is, is excruciating. Like it's, it's the classic uh, lethal weapon dislocating your shoulder. Yes. It's, it's super gross. Uh, and the, the old couple are at that point, they're certain, oh, he's going to save us. He is a champion of justice. And he runs uh, into the fray once again, and all you hear are gunshots. And back to 2012. Uh, apparently there is an... I want to note um, oh, yes. that at the end of when that scene ends when you see him rushing forward and you just hear the gunshots uh, uh, Masami is looking on and she goes from smiling to this kind of like look of horror yeah her, her smile starts to drop just as the scene ends and it's extremely yeah, you ambiguous you, you kind of think to... that he gets shot yeah <laughs> So back to 2012, uh, turns out there is a uh, rocket from India on its way to the comet, and there's five experts sent, uh, regardless of a high margin of error. And they're like, oh, five experts. That's the five, that's like the Go Rangers. It's the five The five champions of justice. They always come in fives. Uh, so uh, there's still, like I said, a high margin of error, but that is what is currently happening in 2012. And now... Uh, that's the first hour of the movie. We haven't even met. We haven't even met Gekirin yet. And who are Gekirin? Well, 1974. Uh, they're playing a... Uh, they're in a... Uh, what would you call this place? This like bar. a lounge? It's like a lounge, yeah. It's like a older older gentlemen are frequent, frequenting it. And, well, not just older gentlemen. It's 1974. Punk hasn't even hit the scene yet. And yet they're playing a punk song. It's called 919. <laughs> They get, they get booed off the stage basically, and one guy says, "Oh, well, play Enka. We we want to hear Enka. Like we want to hear old ballads." So they reluctantly start playing "It Rains Again" in Nagasaki. It's a very popular old Enka song, um, and they start playing it like you're supposed to. It's very slow and somber, uh, like a ballad. And then uh, the guitar player is just basically like "fuck this" and starts <laughs> upping the tempo, and they turn into a full-on punk song, and trash the place. just 
up and trash the place. They start getting peanuts thrown at them, and they just go right after the audience. It's super good. Uh, the uh, the bass player, uh, Shigeki, he is attacked by a guy and, uh, I suppose, his daughter or a uh, or a young woman who was with them uh, smashes a uh, champagne bottle on the guy who is accosting him's head. Uh, her name is Namiko. She becomes Shigeki's girlfriend at that point. Um, so... After this, after this ridiculous show where they completely, completely fuck up this lounge, uh, they are approached by Norio Okazaki, um, and he wants to be their manager. He says, uh, "You know, your music is is going to be the next hot thing, and I want to bring it to the world." Uh, so the next thing you know, they're in a music studio playing a much softer, much more slow version of the song that they had uh, started with, Nani Monai. <laughs> A result of this of the brat producer Tani, uh, who says, "Well, this is going to sell. This is the music that's going to sell. Nobody's going to, you know, buy your record if it's, you know, if it's if it's, you know, this punk music." So, uh, so at this point, we are introduced to the to the entire band um, through, uh, you know, them just kind of chatting about how this record's going. Uh, Goro is the singer. Uh, Shigeki is the bass player, Tetsuya plays drums, and Ryoji is uh, on guitar. Uh, Tetsuya is basically in the band because he, uh, you know, well, he loves music, but he also has seven kids, which is <laughs> a lot of kids for someone of his age to have. <laughs> yeah, uh, seriously. Uh, so he's got mouths to feed, so he's basically, you know, he's he's in it for the money, but also, you know, also he loves the music. Uh, Ryoji is the guitar player who's in it just for the music. Uh and Goro and Shigeki are kind of going along with it. Shigeki used to be, you know, really hard, and his girlfriend has a fight with him about this at some point. Uh, he used to be really hard, but then, you know, he became soft after they, you know, got signed with this record label. Uh, turns out the record company pre- president had, has canceled their three albums and bumped them down to one because nobody wants to hear this music, apparently. Uh, Goro tells Shigeki this, um, you know, that he overheard this. Uh, but what he didn't tell... Shigeki is that they offered Goro a solo contract uh, because he's got the look, he's got the voice. So Shigeki is fighting with his girlfriend about this, saying, oh, well, Goro never cared about the band to begin with, yada, yada, yada. She's wasted, by the way. Um, uh, so he's, you know, he's over at the uh, at Okazaki's place talking to Okazaki about this. And Okazaki's like, yeah, you guys are pretty much finished, but I still think that you guys can really, really pull out a good record. Uh, and Shigeki sees this book called Fish Story. And he's like, what is this book? And he starts reading it, and uh, he writes the song based on the lyrics. Uh, so he writes the song. Uh, they all love it. They think the lyrics are really weird, but but completely awesome. Uh, right. Uh, so what happens is, writes the song. They play it. The producer hates it. Says, this needs to be slower. You guys need to change it. And they're like, well, no, because we know what we know what's happening. Our record label is done. 
or this record label is done with us, we are going to do the song if it's okay with you, Okazaki. And Okazaki says, well, it's it's not going to sell, but he gives this really great thumbs up without Aisha. Yeah. Like, and and back the producer. <laughs> Behind the producer's head, so he can't see yeah. that he's like giving them the approval. <laughs> yeah. So he does it in one take, and during the solo, uh, during the solo, uh, Goro goes into this soliloquy about, oh, man, who could not who could not love this awesome song? This song is so awesome. Like, why wouldn't anybody buy this? Uh, whoever's listening, this is for you. And it's a really great, really great moment. Uh, and and that's when we find out why, uh, you know, what happens during this this guitar solo, during that silent part. だったら
so they uh, they end up going with it. They end up going with the song, uh, and they said, "Well, no." The producer says, "Well, you have to overdub this. We can't use that part." And they're like, "No, no. You said one take, and it's great. No, the song will never be better than what we just recorded. So we're going to do something weird like the Beatles, and uh, erase that part completely from the song, and just note that on top of the album." So that's what they did. Uh, so then we find out the story behind this story as they are in an Izakaya uh, restaurant. Uh, they're all celebrating, you know, the the final the final recording sesh. Uh, Okazaki comes and he brings his he brings his son, uh, who uh, who wants to watch Go Rangers. Uh, <laughs> so uh, before well, before that actually. Um, so Okazaki talks about this book, this, this book, Fish Story. As Ant had a publishing company that was about to go under, um, and they had this book, Fish Story, and, and they couldn't hire, they didn't have the means of hiring any uh, translators because this was right after World War II. Tensions were high with the U.S., so there was anybody, there wasn't anybody around who who knew uh, both English and Japanese would be willing to do this job. So they hired a uh, a U.S slash, uh, ja- well, Japanese uh, uh, guy. It was a guy who claimed that he was mixed race, I think. There it is. Yeah, and, and looked close enough to pass, but turned out to be completely Japanese. Yeah, yeah, he didn't know English one, one bit, and he used an English uh, to Japanese uh, dictionary to translate the book. So rather, rather than the opening uh, line being the story of my, uh, if my story, if my, Solitude were fish. It was this is the fish story of my solitude, and a fish story being a tall tale. Uh, this is the point in the movie where they kind of decipher what this book means, uh, what mm-hmm. what these lyrics mean. Uh, turns out it's just a a tall tale. Uh, it's all a fish. Yeah, stories. like I'm not super familiar with the phrase like a fish story meaning a tall tale, but I definitely do understand the context, like the idea of being like I caught a fish this big, yeah. and that being an exaggeration or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly where it comes from. Until yeah. I saw this movie, I didn't know that was a a term for that. I just call, you know you call it tall tale. Um, yeah. I mean it's it's the same as the movie Big Fish. Mm-hmm. It's all about mm. fish stories. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, so Okazaki's son is with him. Uh, once watch Go Rangers, he starts crying like, "Oh crap! Well, let's put on Go Rangers." So they put on Go Rangers. It's the exact clip from the beginning of the movie, uh, but it just ends. It's very end of the very end of it. Uh, and then there's a really fun scene here where they're talking about like, "Oh well, what if our what if uh, you know our song ends up saving the world somehow?" Like, so they present a scenario in which their story saves the world. Uh, through convoluted means. Uh, and then they're like, oh, well, that's just a fish story. <laughs> uh, and that's when they decide on the name for the song, Fish Story, because it's when the lyrics are taken from the book. And, you know, this is a, this song represents what the song could be, but it won't because it's just a tall tale. Uh, it's a song that transcends time and will save the world. <laughs> not so <laughs> so then we uh there's this really neat shot where it pans in on okazaki's son's face and it transitions uh, into the store clerk so i think that's the uh, 
the store clerk is Okazaki's son, which is why he's so yeah. obsessed with Champions of Justice because he loved Go Ranger as a kid. And he loves this song because he was in the same room uh, as as the band when they were discussing Fish Story and how it's going to save the world one day. A, a glimmer of hope, so to speak. Uh, so we're back to 2012 at this point. Things look really bad. Uh, Taniguchi is instigating, uh, you know, the the patron who's at the store and the clerk saying, I told you, you know, I'm, we're all going to die. The clerk just socks him in the face. And at that point, the comet mm-hmm. explodes. Uh, the world is saved. And according to the news, it's thanks to five people or four people. And they, they say, oh, no, it's mo- mostly thanks to her calculations. And you see a Japanese girl who is asleep and she gets woken up and it's Masami. And from then on, we are treated to a chronological, a complete chronological telling of what exactly happened here, which, uh, which I think is awesome, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of an epilogue, but also sort of a like, well, if you, just in case you didn't catch it, here's what happened. So, fish story. The 19- and it fills in a few details, like the fact that um, the wimpy guy from the 80s is the father of the hero of justice and... That's right. Uh, on the boat, the you know, and things like that. That's right, yeah. It starts with the 1940s when the book is translated. The aunt takes it. Okazaki finds it on her deathbed. Uh, Shige, Shige, uh, Shigeki then writes the song in, in 75. Uh, 89, the kid uh, uh, Masashi goes to stop the girl from, from being raped, but he gets the shit beat out of him. But then she ends up saving him. They fall in love. They have a kid who becomes Justice Cook, Sagawa. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, they show the scene, they show, well, they basically just, they, they go back and they show all the scenes that were uh, cut abruptly. So we see Masashi, you know, try to save the girl. Then we see Sagawa run in and completely shit stomp all of the cult leaders, uh, <laughs> yeah. dodging all of the gunshots. Uh, yeah, it's really a few fun extra flips. Scenes. That's right. <laughs> For show. It's super good. It's super entertaining. I would watch an well, entire movie. He's dodging the bullets. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, so he saves Mas- uh, he saves Masami and inspires her to work very hard uh, at school, and she saves the world with her amazing calculations. She gets into a great university, and then 2012 happens. Uh, she saves the world because uh, vicariously through this song, and uh, and that's the end of Fish Story. Yeah. Love yeah. how it all comes together yeah. like that. I hope that was a, co- a coherent way of explaining the movie, but <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, did you guys have uh, thoughts? What are your thoughts uh, as to this this movie, just in general? I'd like to hear from Scott, who's got the sort of freshest look. Uh, I, like I said, I went in with basically no expectations because I had no idea what the movie is actually about. And really enjoyed it. I love the d- really disjointed structure where things finally all come together. I will say that I wish that it were the ending were less explicit about putting the pieces back together for you, because I felt like by the time the movie ends that that you could do that on your own. But it's still sweet going back and like seeing all those interstitial pieces. Yeah. I, but uh, go ahead. Oh yeah, I thought the same thing because like you know then it makes the movie a little less subtle, but at the same time, uh, it does, you really do need to see those scenes, uh, where, where, uh, Masashi is raising the kid and, um, 
and where Sagawa beats the shit out of the cult leaders. Because those, mm. those, those are the two p- missing pieces of the puzzle there that you kind of need to see. Um, but I will say that, like, I, I love the structure and I love the through line of kind of going back and forth to follow this this song, this, like, I the genesis of the idea through inspiring something that actually did save the world. And I think that it's the, the movie is also really interesting and, and very sweet the way it kind of talks about the the human condition and the idea that we all have our own individual stories that whether we know it or not always fit into this bigger narrative of the people in the world around us. And so like, and, and the whole movie has this kind of air of positivity around it, mm-hmm. which is why Taniguchi is the real villain because he's this cynical asshole <laughs> where uh, the the record clerk has this optimism and so does everybody else. And it's, I don't know. It just makes you feel real good. Yeah, totally. I I remember seeing this uh, one time with a group, uh, and and every and because I was the one who had who'd uh, who'd seen it before, everybody kept asking me questions like, you know, what does this mean, and does this all add up and stuff. And I just had to keep being like, just wait, you'll see, because I think <laughs> that. It's kind of contrary to what you guys are saying. I, I think that satisfaction of seeing everything come together at the end is a very kind of like satisfying and emotional moment. Um, so, I mean, I, I just love, so I actually love that <laughs> montage at the end, but like, um, but that is kind of what I was saying at the beginning about how this in some ways is a movie that can be spoiled because if you knew all that going in, it would kind of ruin the experience a little bit because um, I definitely remember the first time I saw it I had those same questions like okay maybe this is just like kind of like because there's so many repetition of ideas and themes and stuff that it's very possible that it could have been several stories that just are sort of thematically tied rather than like literally tied together you know mm-hmm. yeah uh, that's I think that's like it's because of that it's one of the most uh, unique movies I've ever seen I think uh, and it's it is like Scott brought up. It's very positive. It's very like very hopeful movie. Uh, I think if the world just ended, it wouldn't have made. I mean, like if the world had just ended, it would just it, the message overall would just been like, well, screw <laughs> hope, right? So I, I think uh, yeah, it <laughs> it does exactly what it needs to. Um, did y'all have a favorite scene in the movie? Um, uh, mine, mine actually is the end, like the montage and sort of starting at the reveal of Masami in the shuttle through the end. Like it seemed kind of like an obvious answer, but just thinking back on it, like it really is the sort of like thing that for me, at least it all kind of hinge hinges on that like final, uh, moment of seeing everything completed and, and getting that kind of rush of, uh, emotions of seeing how everything led to uh, the next thing, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Uh, my favorite, I can't decide between the two scenes cause I like them both so much, but the scene where the band is, uh, playing in the club and then where they're talking on the like waterway or stuff. I, I would really mm-hmm. just love an entire movie about a seventies Japanese punk band personally. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that that club scene is so fun, and 
the way that like uh, Namiko, the girl in the audience there with the businessman, just keeps kind of making eyes at Shigeki while he's on stage. And her disappointment when they start playing the boring Inca song is like what spurs him to kind of try to try to pick up the beat and turn it into a punk song kicks off the whole scene and they're just having so much fun like moshing into the audience and like wrecking the evening of these stodgy businessmen that don't <laughs> like their music yeah and, i love uh, the gekirian stuff too i think it's a little silly that they keep kind of hammering this idea that this was the year before the sex pistols formed <laughs> Yeah, yeah um, that's that's a bit weird. I, I I could see a defense of it where someone says like, well, after the Sex Pistols, Gekirin would have had more of a chance to succeed, and the idea is that they they had no chance coming in, you know. Yeah. But like, I can get that. It kind of comes off more like, nah, man, punk started in Japan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that that was my reading too. Especially since they're kind of fully formed, they're already like wearing the punk uniform and and playing music mm-hmm. sounds like the sex pistols and stuff that's you know i it's just a little bit of a detraction but like i you know it's not a, it's i love the movie well for sure th- th- something that's interesting is that this <laughs> until i just looked up go ranger on on wiki uh so go ranger ran from april 5th 1975 to march 26 1977 and when they have the the scene where the kid is watching go ranger that's in 1974 Hmm. <laughs> or maybe it is 75 actually because if it's at the tail end of their but still like it's 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 slightly off uh timeline is yeah. slightly off which i think is interesting yeah uh yeah kind of funny in that regard but I, I think it's funny that this movie is sort of a like a love letter to sentai in a way mm-hmm. yeah um, well that actually brings me back to something that scott had mentioned uh that i kind of wanted to talk about was the connection like the similarity to 20th Century Boys, the manga by Naoki Urasawa. Um, it has a lot of like similar themes, I think, to like rock music having an impact on the world and these sort of motifs about like um, heroes and ESP and cults and stuff. Like, definitely are echoed in both. And I don't like 20th Century Boys ran from 99 to 2007, and this came out in 2009. So it's possible that it had an influence. I don't necessarily want to say that uh, it was influenced by, by that specifically, but it's definitely like ideas that were floating around in the time uh, in Japan for sure uh, that created both of these things. Uh, Which it could also be that the uh, that Isaka, the author, just may may have a similar set of personality and tastes to Urasawa and was pulling from a lot of the same places. Yeah, right, because they're probably like it. I don't know for sure, but we could guess that they're probably around the same age. They're they're both kind of creating work at the same time period in Japan. They probably were both kids when Go Ranger was around and are influenced by the sort of like '60s and '70s media when they were younger and stuff. Yeah. Um, oh, so my yeah. What was your favorite scene? My favorite scene. Uh, also, the scene in the in the lounge where they're where they're playing a. Uh, Nagasaki wa Kyomo Amedata. Uh, it's a, I, I love that song. Uh, <laughs> but I really love the punk version, and I wish there was a longer version of it, like a full version. Mm. It's super good. Yeah, I would love to listen to like punk covers of Inca songs. Yeah, like I wish that <laughs> I wish that was a I wish that was a genre. It would be so good. Uh, um, something I noted, uh, I because I really love the Izakaya scene where they're um where they're all just talking about like oh well what if our song saves the world. Um, mm-hmm. Every time 
every time you see the book, it's always an overhead like Wes Anderson shot. Mm-hmm. This happens uh, in Okazaki's uh, office, and it happens in the restaurant. Like ah. every time you see the book, like it's an overhead shot, like just to, it, that way you can completely see the cover and then kind of flipping through the book. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I'm sitting here looking at the picture that you posted on your Facebook uh, because I'm trying. So earlier, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's the manager's office. I think it's uh, it's his apartment. Shigeki's apartment. Yeah. Uh, but when he puts it on the table there, there's like a, uh, a coaster or something on the table that is a giant yellow star. And there's, there's a lot of like, uh, as we mentioned earlier, there's a lot of recurring themes and because it's a comet, uh, Taniguchi refers to it earlier when he realizes that the, the end of the world is in 1999, he says 2012. And then that the golden haired prince that's going to destroy the world is a comet. That's right. And so this like big yellow star thing on the table, when you look down at the at, at fish story on the table, is kind of like, oh hey, there there's another part of that theme. But cool. I sat there scrutinizing the uh, izakaya table, trying to figure out any kind of symbolism. <laughs> and it, while that shot looks so good, I can't puzzle out like any specific meaning in it. I think it's just a really good shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, so a big part of this movie, obviously, more than any other movies that I think we've watched so far, is the music, because um, mm-hmm. this is centered around a punk band. Uh, Gekiren's music is pretty damn great. Uh, I love it. Uh, it's fucking great. <laughs> it's it's a music that I would listen to, uh, uh, in the realm of in the realm of punk, I think. Um, yeah, it kind of reminds me of the first few Blue Hearts albums, which is an 80s uh, punk band from Japan. Uh, so you could look up the Blue Hearts if you haven't heard them before. I have not. I have to check that out. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, I just had an epiphany. Uh, so we're talking about uh, the punk cover of an Inca song. Mm-hmm. They also obliquely reference, I think it's the customer in the record shop, uh, obliquely references the Sex Pistols cover of My Way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think that this was also like uh, Japan did this first, guys. They they <laughs> did a punk cover of a lounge song first. Oh, my God. That's really funny. I, d- yeah. I didn't pick up on that. That's super good. Yeah, there's a lot of references to other bands in this movie, which is they mentioned the Beatles a lot. The Beatles had just broken up. Rock and roll is going to die. Like it's <laughs> rock and roll will die unless you do something about it. It's <laughs> it's such a that's so dire. That's almost like saving the world in 1975. <laughs> yeah. yeah, save the world of rock and roll music. Yeah, the Beatles are dead. What's going to happen? We don't know. Which is like, oh, the comet's coming. We're, we're fucked. Like it's... I, I do appreciate the kind of level of context that they try to give for what music was like, like what was going on in music at the time. Yeah. it's So are the five heroes the four members of the punk band plus their manager? I think I so. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure they are. That's super good. <laughs> yeah. It's all those recurring themes. Like the this movie is like what on the surface is just this kind of like fun, like pseudo comedy, goofy kind of thing is incredibly well crafted in its callbacks and consistent themes and everything. It's it's like a puzzle that just fits together so right. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good way of putting it. No missing pieces in this puzzle. 
yeah. Um, all right. Well, anything else that you guys would want to talk about it? That I covered my notes. That we haven't covered. All right. Yeah, I don't think I have anything left over. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I guess I'll close this off by saying I like this movie super good. I like I recommend this movie to everybody when, whenever I see them. I'm like, hey, you should watch this movie. I know you don't like or into Japanese film or anything, but look this movie up. Um, it's great. Uh, a buddy of mine, he's in a punk band, actually. Um, uh, he's been a punk band for many, many years now. I told him about this movie last year, and he was like super into it. And I, <laughs> and then I bought the DVD because I was like, "Oh, well, I need to, I need to have this so I can let him borrow it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the entire reason I own this movie so I can let people borrow it. Also because they took it off of Netflix, and um, <laughs> yeah. and I like it too much for that to happen. Um, so yeah, I guess that does it for for this this month's episode. Uh, if you've listened to this episode and you haven't seen Fist Story, please go see it. Uh, you can get the DVD off Amazon. I don't know where else you can get it. Uh, if you Google, if you I don't know, do some Googling, I'm sure you can find it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, I just it's easy to find on Amazon. That's how I got it yeah. for yeah. the show. And uh, yeah, get the nice thing about a physical copy is it makes it really easy to lend out to other people. So get your friends to watch this, hand it over. Maybe someday that movie will help save the world. Yeah, but make sure <laughs> to tell them that there's a silent part like in the middle of it. <laughs> it's a it's a haunted dvd <laughs> yeah oh actually there's something i wanted to mention about that uh, when uh so during the epilogue they play they play the song they play the song fish story over the mm-hmm. over the epilogue now during the solo um the part that's supposed to be silent that's uh that's during um it syncs up for when masashi saves that girl and uh yeah during the same part, like where it was silent for him earlier in the movie. And I wonder if he had sixth sense and he heard Goro's soliloquy. Oh, that's cute. Cause that's yeah, he idea. does, <laughs> he does take some time to kind of like work his way up to going to save the girl. And maybe like listening to that is what inspired him. Yeah. So I, that's something, something to ruminate on. Um, all right. Well, what do we have? Uh, what do we have in store for us next month? Next month. Uh, I will be hosting. We are going to be covering Truck Yaro. Wow, that sounds suspiciously the... close to the title of our podcast, Joey. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yep, we'll be talking about the first Truck Yaro movie, uh, Goiken Muyo from 1975, directed by Norifumi Suzuki and starring Bid, Big Bad Bunta Sugawara and Kinya Aikawa. Um, yeah, this is a movie that is not available commercially in English, um, unfortunately. However, as Alex was mentioning, this is a movie that's a movie series that's come up a lot already in this show and has kind of uh, a lot of uh, it, it has its stamp on the show as part of our name comes from it and stuff like that. Uh, so I think it would be good to cover. And I think. Uh, the majority of the films that we're going to cover on the show have official English releases, but we'll occasionally uh, step outside of that to kind of raise awareness of what else is out there and maybe hopefully stir up interest in possible future English releases. Um, so naturally, this is a movie that will be a little harder for our listeners to see, but um, as always, we're going to go through the plot and discuss it thoroughly, and so the episode might just dis- kind of skew a little more on the side of educational than just kind of like, oh, I saw a movie and I want to hear these guys talk about it uh, kind of podcast. But 
unlike Fish Story, I'd say this is a movie that cannot be spoiled, really, and uh, by hearing info about it beforehand, you know, it's more about kind of the performances and the and the visuals and things like that than the plot. So yeah. yeah. It's a it's a really fun movie and I'm looking forward to getting into it with you guys. Yeah, I'm excited to watch it again and talk about it. Yeah, it'll be good. Um so, uh that does it for this week, of course, and we'll and this month rather. Uh and uh as always, of course, uh you can find all of us at to, at, at Toho Yaro on um on uh, on on the twits on the tweets uh tweet at <laughs> mm-hmm. us please um we love we love hearing from you uh we love hearing suggestions uh and of course you can find me at, at, on twitter at dude exclamation all one word and you can well i was gonna say you can hear me on the one piece podcast but i'm taking a bit of hiatus for a while so uh scott uh i am Vriska chat on twitter v-r-i-s-k-a-c-h-a-t um I don't have much going on right now, but feel free to hit me up, ask me questions, talk to me about video games and movies and stuff. Yeah. And uh, I'm Joey? on Twitter at Joey Weiser or joeyweiser.tumblr.com. <laughs> um, and Merman volumes one through four are out in hardcover and softcover and digital. Uh, volume five is coming very soon uh, in April. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, convention season is about to start, so keep an eye out on my Twitter and Tumblr for where I'll be. Um, and I also want to mention that on top of the Toho Yaro Twitter, we have an email, tohoyaro at gmail.com, and, drumroll please, a new Facebook page. So please uh, like us on Facebook if you're not a Twitterer or emailer. <laughs> Maybe you're a Facebooker. Uh, so yeah, find us there. We, we post announcements for the movies where people could discuss it in the comments and things like that. Uh, or suggest new movies for us to see and things like that. And, uh, and of course, rate and review us on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Well, that is it for this episode. So we'll see you next month for Truck Yaro. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.